talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Worst Wing, the show where here in 2021... We take oh a God. look. <laughs> we take a look back at Aaron Sorkin's seminal television classic, The West Wing, from a bit more leftist socialist perspective. I am Stu, and I am Dave, and I can't believe it's 2021. <laughs> um, minor minor celebration. We made it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, six days into the new year, lo and behold, <laughs> what we get. But we'll leave that till the end of the episode to discuss. Uh, This episode of The Worst Wing is focused on the West Wing episode entitled Evidence of Things Not Seen, which I guess is a reference to the plot point we're about to discuss, which is a uh, spy drone from the Americans was flying over... Not Russian airspace? Where was the airspace? Near near Russia. Yeah, so it's it's Russian airspace because they were spying on the city of Kaliningrad, which... I, personally, me, my classic Western education here, was unaware of until literally yesterday when I watched this that Russia has a non-contiguous portion of territory that Mm. is nestled in between Poland and the, um, not the Balkans, the the Baltic states. Mm. Just Um, like small? Yeah, it's like it's like an enclave basically, huh. but it has this little strip of land and this city and it's of technically Kalinica. part of Russia, just yeah. like Alaska or Hawaii is part of us. Yep. Huh. Wow. I did not know that either. Um I was aware that I know they have some of the islands near like northern Japan. Yeah, the curls uh, and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and there's a big, there's constantly political disagreements between them and Japan about who owns it, and a lot of Japan nationalism is based around like getting those Russian islands back to Japan. <laughs> it's just like the Jiaoyu Islands or whatever. Yeah, we They're will make China, make, make Japan great again by getting the <laughs> islands back. Kind of shit. Um, that's my only knowledge of Russian territory disputes. But yeah, so they're flying over this area of uh, Kaliningrad, as you say, and the drone fell out of the sky. Uh, it wasn't shot down, right? It was just... No, they, it, they it say fell. it's a weather pattern. Like yeah, they, yeah, they just up. normal, normal, you know, it wasn't shot down, but it fell. And so they want to get it back, but they don't want the Russians poking around on it because it has, like, secret technology or whatnot. And also they don't want the Russians to know that they were spying on them. <laughs> yeah. But it, uh, supposedly they're spying for the Russians against someone else is, is we get into the weeds of it. But Russia is still quite upset about the whole thing. And the bulk of the episode is spent between Bartlett and whoever fictional West Wing R- Russian president is. I forget his name. President Shigurin. Yeah, who is the Yeltsin equivalent, I guess, yep. um, To for West Wing. Uh, so it's mostly spent with them on the phone, on the red phone, although it's not the red phone. Wait, no, they bring in the red phone <laughs> at one point. They bring in the red phone. Fuck, fuck! <laughs> they actually bring in the red phone, I forgot. Yeah, so they're uh, literally on the red phone from, like, Dr. Strangelove. They're, there's so much Cold War energy to this plotline that feels so weird, given that this episode's being filmed in, what, 2002? If not 2003 at this point. Yeah, like, and, like, why are we still scared of Russia when surely we should be scared of Iraq slash Afghanistan at this well, point? Well, and it's also very strange because this was during the brief period of time when the neoliberals got a hold of the Russian economy post- Right, post Soviet Union, in theory, where we were, we're, actually, we're great allies with Russia. Yes, yeah, we moment. were close ties. Exactly. And, 
Well, people o- were making too only much recently money. did it come back around with Putin and everything to to oh now we hate Russia again. But yeah, this was the period of time where us and Russia were kind of buddy buddy. Yeah, and so obviously, like the the plot evolves such that. President Bartlett basically has to spin he a bunch of... He saves the day. Well, he yeah. spins a bunch of careful lies to tell the guy, uh, being like, well, we're looking at, and the line is coastal erosion <laughs> yeah, in in the North Sea or whatever. And right. it's like, oh, a sure. A bunch of BS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and he, like Russia, for, for the record, Russia calls them out on it constantly and right away. And it's just like, yeah, uh-huh, sure. We have experts too, Mr. President. And... And there's some very good sort of comedy beats with the translator of being like, he's yelling pretty loud now. <laughs> and, and then there's yeah. another one where he's like, I do like he's the yelling actor. at Leo. Yeah, I do like the actor who plays the translator. He does <laughs> yeah. a really, really good job with those little bits he gets to do. That's well, not just so, repeating the words. Well, and that, I mean, it, it basically wraps up and that's what happens with radical transparency. Thanks, President Bartlett. You're such a good guy. Yeah, well, basically no. telling him what's up. It wraps up with Bartlett getting to make a speech that basically, like, quote-unquote, saves the world because the show sets it up as, like, uh-oh, this is the first step towards World War Three or whatever. And then Bartlett makes a speech about, the, 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 you know, we could have destroyed the world so many times over, but it's conversations like this that prevent that from happening. And it's, it's just a bunch of BS about, like, the liberal value of rhetoric. Yeah, and, I mean, he... he just kind of he gives up the facade after a while and it's like mm-hmm. oh you know and just admits one of, what happened, one of yeah. us has to step back from the brink here and right. blood oh you know right. i'm so you know magnanimous about right. the shit and whatever nothing actually ends up no happening no and, there's zero repercussions it's all cleared up in the end. <laughs> yeah so there's a um the the thing that's evolving or kind of in the back that's happening in the background while they're having this chat is it's like a Friday night or whatever, and so there's right. a there's a staff poker game going yes. on. Yes, uh, which has so many opportunities for great television moments and great use of poker as a dramatic device and a way to get to know characters better. To you know, poker is often used as a way of getting a read on a character. You know, as as we determine whether they're bluffing or not, uh, this happens on like Star Trek a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, TNG, you know, often use the poker game as a way of showing a metaphor of what's going on in a particular character's, you know, personal life or the struggle they're going through. None of that fucking happens. <laughs> yeah, we we don't even have a like a commander data being confused by reading people right. moment here. It's just There's like. A- there's fucking nothing. They, they misuse all the dramatic potential of a poker game to instead just have the characters talk about, like, what they believe in and can an egg stand on its end and, like, all this to- and have Will show off his card tricks, which, to be fair, are quite impressive. And uh, I wonder if Melina had to, like, practice a lot or already knew how to do the shuffle like that. <laughs> Well, the and I think like the parallel there is that I'm sure. Did they use was stunt thinking, hands? Did they cut down? It was a was it a contiguous shot? I think it was a contiguous <laughs> shot. I think it was Molina. The uh, I think like the parallel that like if I'm in my writer brain here, like the parallel I'd be trying to draw is the reading of a person at a card game to the reading of a person over a phone. Right, which with the is Russian the, situation, which is the Russian diplomatic situation. Precisely, uh, and you know, in the episode where they did chess, and I ranted about the cinematic use of chess. At least in that episode, they did try to mine the drama of chess and relate it back to the plot of the episode as a metaphor for what was going on with whatever that episode was about. In this one, the poker game isn't used at all for that, and then because of events that happen about midway through the episode they basically have to put a halt to it for half the episode (laughs) 
when well, uh, yeah, what, so we'll, you want to get right into it? Um, no, I was just going to say, like, it, it's really the only good part of the program game is that we are given indications that Debbie Fitterer is a shark. Is a, is a fucking shark. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, there's a great moment, too, where she's saying she wants, she's asking the president to get into the poker game. And he's like, look, Debbie, you know, we play for cash here. Like, this is serious. And, you know, we like to throw around actual money. And she just flashes a giant wad of hundos. <laughs> and, and the president immediately changes gears in a great comic moment to be like, hey, can you spot me some cash? Charlie forgot to pick up cash for me today. <laughs> I, did, I didn't go to the ATM, so yeah. I'm, a little, I'm a little light. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we get we get every evidence that Debbie's a fucking shark. Uh, also, like you said, and I do love this too, when Will does do his fast shuffle, blah, 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 fast shuffle trick, Debbie just immediately, her eyes narrow, like, uh-oh, another shark. <laughs> like, whoops, I, I might have stepped in it. Here. Uh-oh. Like, well, she, so- she's quickly sizing him up and is realizing she might have competition. I actually, I actually didn't make any notes about this, but the, the reason that Will is stopping by at whatever time this is is because he's been called up by the Air Force Reserve. Right, he is he a is, reservist. Yeah, he's a reservist. He's a second lieutenant and is serving in the JAG Corps. And actually, like, the interesting parallel to the Russia story here is that the reason he's been called up is because oh, yes. there was an Air Force officer manning a Minuteman silo, which mm-hmm. is a defensive... Missile nuclear against, nuclear missile silo. Yeah, yeah, defensive missile, and he is technically being court-martialed because he was derelict in his duty of basically accepting the order that comes down to push the fucking button. <laughs> yeah, to nuke Russia <laughs> because they saw a fucking meteor coming in and thought it was a Rus- uh, North Korean nuke. Sorry, not Russia. They thought it was a North Korean nuke attacking Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, and they go down that uh, that path a little while of being like. Why the fuck would North Korea? And it makes complete right. sense. And this guy was thinking correctly at the right, time. To, However, to be right, but they they say the bigger problem is that he just needs to push button and like and don't, and don't question it because if you question it at the wrong time, then we're all dead. Well, and this fucking sucks because you're all dead anyway. Right. And also, like Toby really goes in on this, and they all kind of just come around to this smug conclusion that it's such like, a failure. He, like this motherfucker failed up, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're going out there to defend him because that's his constitutional right. What right. the fuck? Like, yeah, he did you, the right thing. He did. He yeah. prevented nuclear Armageddon. This and is so, what we should hope. Every missile operator does is like, no, but wait, really? But wait, really? But wait, really? Yeah. Like, get triple confirmation before you launch that shit. Well, and so the reason that this is interesting to put this in the framing of a Russian confrontation is because in 1983, there mm-hmm. was a real life example of this that happened. Mm-hmm. Where in, we almost got to the brink of, yeah. Where, where Stanislav Petrov refused to push the button when he right. got a false alarm. And basically they were just like, uh... Yeah. Okay. Like, good, and then good he job. Right. He saved the fucking world. Yeah, he and of literally course, saved the world. And, and what do you get for it? Like, no good deed goes unpunished kind of <laughs> shit. You know? Like, oh my god. Like, that, yeah, I can't even imagine being one of those, the, the guys who have to, like, man the fucking missiles. Like, if, if you do the right thing, you're court-martialed. Yeah, well, and if, I think... And if you do the wrong thing, you've killed the world. <laughs> I think what's just insidious about this is that it's painting a story that's very real and that nobody knows about in terms of an American being a hero. Right. Whereas in sort of this Cold War mentality, it's like actually most of the times that things went 
okay, like especially Cuban Missile Crisis in the eighties during yeah. like Reagan's ramp up. It was Russian people who were doing who were, like the who moral were being correct the, yeah, thing. who were pulling us back from the brink. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, these whole pl- the whole plot line. You know, we say this a lot. It goes nowhere. Uh, nothing goes anywhere, it, particularly in this episode. I did not care for this episode at all. It was, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't exactly like a slog to watch. It moved okay, but like by the end of the ending in particular. So I mentioned the egg thing earlier. Let's just fucking do this right now. Yep. So the whole CJ has a whole plot line in this episode where I don't know why. It's one of these things that comes out of nowhere where she's like, "Oh, I read that you can stand an egg." Uh, upright on its end uh, when it's like the autumnal equinox or whatever and today's like the autumnal equinox and she spends the whole episode trying to prove it can be done and with with the rest of the cast basically playing the role of skeptic and being like Will's like oh I found a website that says that's stupid CJ and, and shit, <laughs> shit like that and that but then the final end moment is that it works and she can stand it upright no one sees it, and then she's like, "Guys," and like, this is the moment we end the fucking episode yeah, on, it and it's cuts given like, out. it's given like dramatic fucking music and framing and lighting, and I have no idea why. And I mean, I think again with my writer's hat on, you could do a thing of like a faith element, like you said, sure. to be to say like really I have faith it. in people. Or something about right. the the spy plane crashing and like nobody has nobody can actually see the photograph or like see from its vantage point or something, but it's, it's just left there. It's the most like it's kind of like the olives in the jacket thing. It's just so out of left <laughs> yeah. field. But unlike the olives in the jacket thing, it's not funny at all. <laughs> yeah, it sucks instead of being funny. Yeah, as opposed to being a funny five-second gag, it's like three minutes of whole episode time gets wasted on this stupid plot line. Yeah, so the kind of the last through element of the episode, and I think we can just do this all in one take because this sure. episode doesn't deserve almost like a full no. treatment. There Fuck is it. a moment where Will and Toby are basically dick-waving about their card shark yeah, abilities. Yeah, their ability to throw cards, correct. And, and so they're like throwing cards and, and in just... In the press they, room. In the press, and they, they nail... Well, the initial thing is that Will just sort of casually the, flicks in a trash card can or into a trash yeah. can from 20 feet away. <laughs> I do love that like, Josh is constant concern about like, that was the three of clubs. We need the three of clubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it's, it's just really funny because they just random like the the reaction of the cast to that moment is like it's like whoa is like, is extremely authentic thing. it's yeah. it's very authentic yeah. and they all yeah. just go what the fuck? yeah it, it feel like the actors just actually watched it happen yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> which okay it's hilarious because it's the most throwaway moment in the yeah. entire show and you don't expect like will of all people to suddenly inhale <laughs> to just mm-hmm. like that, that's what's also great about this little card shuffling thing is like oh there are dimensions to will all of a sudden you know, like he's yeah. been kind of a, a one-dimensional character thus far, and where we finally get to like I love to when we get to know their personal lives even a little because the show tends not to focus on that much and just keep them in their work lives. Yeah, no, it's 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 great, but like yeah. the then the moment comes where they're just like, okay, now we're gonna have a contest, right? I, I, Will. <laughs> I think Will says, I if I was up on the press secretary platform, I could hit the fifth row. And it's like, all right, motherfucker, let's see. And so they go to the press room to find out. And as they're throwing the cards around back there, all of a sudden gunshots ring out. 
and uh, one hits the window, and like you said, I do love that CJ is just sort of, like, nonplussed about the whole affair. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, hmm, that's odd. And then, oh, like... Oh, cool, Toby, the window to- broke. Yeah, Toby and Will are like, get the fuck down! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, her reaction just like, hmm? Yeah, oh. it's just like, hmm, that's odd. Window window done broke all of a sudden. Hey, guys, you <laughs> yeah. see this? And they're, like, yeah, they're trying out. to, they're trying to, like, tackle her to the ground. <laughs> uh, and then so, she... There's a clip later where she's like, I just want to say that um, I would characterize my reactions in the as, press room as, as cat-like. cat-like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if in that way where cats just stare at things that aren't there. <laughs> yes. I would, I would indeed <laughs> describe it as that. And so the, the there's been a shooting yeah. shooting at the white house is a, a, like the initial intelligence shots. from, from no Ron one Butterfield yeah. who comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agent Ron Butterman. Butterfield. Butterfield. Head of head of the detail or whatever comes yeah. back and With he's like, well, here's what's mustache. going on." Yeah, <laughs> mustache in full force. I love it. Um, and uh, so yeah, at first they just kind of you know they do the normal Secret Service stuff of just securing everything and checking on everyone. It's like, okay, president's okay, everyone's okay, no one got shot. We have the guy in custody, and then. Leo says that there were three other terrorist events in the world today. Like, one was, like, a bombing somewhere. One was, like, something else. But then the third one is, like, some country's minister guy got also sniped. And this is uh, now, all of a sudden, the Secret Service thinks it's thinks it's a pattern and decides to crash the White House, a.k.a. lock it down, basically. Which I am extremely skeptical of. If you just had a rifle hit the window of the West Wing... Why would wouldn't you not you, crash already? Wouldn't you be crashed? <laughs> At that point, yeah. It seems pretty much to be like the imminent direct threat. Yeah, yeah. I would. You would think, but all of a sudden they have to wait until it's like a pattern of terrorism before they decide to truly lock it down. It's so, okay. It's, it's so weird. And it just feels like it's porn for that Sorkin to get like two minutes of shots of like, lock it down, crash it, we're crashing. Wisco Tangy Bravo Alpha 85, <laughs> we are crashing the white. Like, you know, it feels very, you know, White House down kind of shit. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, and you said this when we were, we were prepping. It's just like, they didn't, they, they had to force CJ, Toby, and Will into the press room to have this happen right because otherwise he the guy would have shot in an empty room and no well, and one would have gave a fuck and and the right the writers didn't even use like the egg thing or the russia thing mm-hmm. or even the necessarily like the poker thing they could have been playing in the press room right but no they had to be like oh we're like, gonna sh- like what if the him? shot happened in the poker room yeah, yeah. like what well, if it hit the window in the poker room that, and like, all the characters get to react to it and and instead we're gonna like shoehorn this random tidbit that will can throw cards to get a, them into the press room so yeah, that it's only like, these three characters who get, quote-unquote, like, threatened, I guess. It's it's so, so weird. It's superfluous. And, it's so weird. And and you said before we recorded, he was just like, I feel like Sorkin will wake up when he sobers up and be like, what the fuck was I doing? Yeah, I, I have a sneaking suspicion the true reason he ends up leaving this show at the end of season four is just like... He's like, where am I going? What, what is this? What am I doing here? Is this my writing? <laughs> like when he when he watches these in the light of day, kind of thing. And I think I th- I think he needed some time away to uh, yeah. And then well, then you also broke up. We we haven't even mentioned Matthew Perry yet. So we but, can talk about that real quick because actually this is also a good segue into the latter half of the show, right? The, because 
he he goes from West Wing straight to Studio 60, and you Ugh. brought up the great point that it's probably this fucking scene and plot line that makes that started Studio 60 in his brain. Yeah. Of, of like, yeah. seeing Perry and uh, Bradley Whitford interact and being like, oh, these guys have chemistry or something, <laughs> which I don't think they do, personally. Like, they're yeah. not particularly bad either, but there's nothing particularly exceptional about, like, their back and forth or well, whatever. So- and so what happens is that they are interviewing to replace Ainsley Hayes mm-hmm. in the council council office. office, right? And Josh is sort of in and out of this one interview with this dude who's like, okay, a qualified candidate, yeah, who's Great. just like a, a normal lawyerish seems yep. seemingly guy. Correct. Now, why he's there being interviewed at like eleven o'clock at on night, a Friday? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, but he's there when the the crash happens. Yeah, and so he's part of the lockdown. And so this makes the interview go on much longer than anticipated. <laughs> so they end up going to some places and, and they really get into like his personal story. And he's like, so why do you want to, you know, why do you want to work here? And they get into it all. What and do it you comes, think about X? Right. And, and it know. comes, it comes out eventually that he is a Republican. Well, so and it, it comes out in an extremely Sorkin fashion. I'm going to throw the clip in here because it's really funny. That I realized that there was something I forgot to ask you. Are you a registered Democrat? No. You registered independent? No. You registered? Yes. You're a Republican. Yes. Oh. Joe, it's fine. Ainsley Hayes was a Republican. It's not fine. Why not? Because if you're a Republican, then you damn well better look like Ainsley Hayes. He does. He will to others. Basically, it's, <laughs> he's, yeah, they're like asking you th- these roundabout questions. He's like, I know what the answer is going to be. Right. <laughs> Right. He can't just say, I'm a Republican. Yeah. We, have to, we have to do it in this fucking, like, verbal fencing back and forth kind of way. Well, and, and shove in some good old-fashioned Sorkin sexism, too, because, yeah, yeah. oh, no, she's, she's oh, not yeah. a cute blonde. Yeah, which, but uh, yeah, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, f- first off, the idea that Matthew Perry is, like, male version of handsome equivalent to Ainsley Hayes is a little sus already. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, the the idea of like you have to look good if you want to be a Republican that this White House hires Jesus is just Christ. like fucking yikes. <laughs> fuck you. What the fuck? Um. So yeah, that. But they. Spoiler alert. They do end up hiring him, and he ends up replacing Ainsley. He comes back in like a couple few episodes. I don't think he has any major. Oh no no no. He. Uh. Spoiler alert. He finds out about the vice president's affair or whatever mm-hmm. makes the vice president resign which is coming up soon to lead to the season finale moment where bartlett has to 25th himself and now it goes to the speaker of the house because they don't have a new vp yet yeah yep and so it's... so they bring in matthew perry specifically or for this character to to unveil the uh the yeah to start well, that whole domino it's chain. it's just so the, the the tune hasn't changed ever with this shit because essentially what we are led to understood understand because we don't actually hear Josh interviewing the guy. He no. asks him, you know, about all the Democratic policy planks or whatever. And apparently Joe, who's Matthew Perry's character, yeah. just agrees with, you know, Josh right. on he's stuff. The, and that's fine. He's the nice, polite Republican that this show loves to fillet, you know, just... 
uh, just dreaming and drooling over like, these. Like, oh my god, he's a he's a nice Republican who actually, you know, he's like he's like, well, I I live to serve the public, and you guys are the only ones left. <laughs> oh, I, d- I don't have any other outlet and, for and my his knowledge back, or talent. His backup option is going to be to go to the private sector to get paid two hundred twenty-five k a year. That's his back. That's his fallback. But he oh. really wants the shitty White mm. House job. It must must be hard. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, he really wants the shitty White House job working for Democrats. And th- the stupid thing where he's like, I couldn't sign the, the screening form because it says, have you done have- anything? I'd have to admit I voted against the president. <laughs> Like, oh my god. Like, you motherfucker, that's not what the disclosure not, is for. They, they mean, like, have you threatened to kill him? Like, <laughs> have you have you set up a sniper like the one you, you just know, arrested like, on like the, the thing sidewalk. Debbie did where she sent him the note saying, like, let's put some arsenic in your drinking water, Mr. Yeah. President. Like, that's the kind of thing the form is concerned about. Not that you didn't vote for him, you fucking ninny. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's just so non-consequential. And yeah. they play it up as this, like... Oh, you know, we're going to, it's a meeting of minds here, and there's just so much patriotism and dedication to do Bipartisanship. Yeah, this, this yeah. dipshitted bipartisanship, which obviously characterizes the show. And I think that's about it for this episode, because Pretty we much. can talk about some dipshitted bipartisanship that came up. This very week over, you know, our holiday break. Yeah, uh, we've, we've, honestly, this episode touches on lots of things that are pertinent <laughs> to recent events. Uh, uh, shootings near White Houses. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, mythical Republicans. <laughs> things like that. <laughs> so let's um, take a break and we'll come back and we can weigh in on that, as I'm sure a lot of people have. <laughs> and his face lost all expression. Said if you're gonna play the game, boy. You gotta learn to play it right You got to know when to hold up Know when to fold up Know when to walk away And know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done And welcome back so this episode sucked, for the record. Let's just get that out there. And it doesn't really deserve much more talk than the talk we gave it. We hit all the major points. Uh, but as we sit here, this is Friday, January 8th, uh, 2021. And we are two days out from uh, a day that will live in infamy, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, uh, of one six twenty one where a bunch of MAGA idiots decided uh, during their protest at the Capitol to storm the Capitol and got in and uh, mostly just kind of like took selfies and stuff in in, in the Capitol and in senators' offices and stuff like that. Um, You know, some people died and stuff like that because, of course, because police were involved. Uh, You know, five or so people died. Uh, So, of course, it is now, in liberals' mind, the next 9-11 and is going to require Patriot Act 2.0 to uh, to fix this. Yeah, and I think more than anything, the big conclusion coming out of it in my brain is that there's there's this penchant for victory lapping when something actually goes the left, the nominal left's way Mm -hmm. in, in this way. But I think that is a very reactionary sentiment, which surprise is why it's now coursing through the veins of liberals everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's that, you know, 
finally our political enemies are reaping the whirlwind to a certain degree, but we we have to look past yes. that current reality and think, well, all of these people who are now legitimately, you know, upset but not actually threatened, because let's be clear, this these people never threatened anything. No. They didn't change any power dynamics. No. They, That's the thing that strikes me the craziest about all this. They had no plan for when they got in there. They're like dogs chasing cars and they caught one. And now they have no fucking clue what to do when they got in there. Like, uh, you know, at least during the George Floyd protests, when the left took like that police station, they wrecked its fucking shit in. <laughs> yeah, it like, was. You're overthrowing the government in your mind if you're with these MAGA idiots. And they went in there and they mostly like left angry notes and like smashed up a little furniture or whatever. But like, burn the place down. What are you doing? Yeah, didn't Guatemala just literally do exactly that? Like, there was a leftist revolt. I think it was in either a Central or Southern American country. Where and they, and they recently, properly wrecked some shit in, hopefully. They, they just lit the house of government on fire. Yeah, like that's what you do. If, like, if you're gonna go, go. Like, go whole ass on it. Like, it, but it's, they, there was no plan. There was no real intent to do anything like that because ultimately they're either stupid or cowardly or, or whatever you want to say. But, you know, there's obviously cause for concern here. But I think overall, just sort of the stupidity and lack of planning on the right is at least for me a small comfort. Yes, and I think it's also a an actualization of the fact that we don't do I think this is a chapo take, but we don't it's either that or trash future, but we don't do politics anymore. We just do culture wars. Yeah. There is no there's politics. no political strategy or, or will goal or, or goal behind any of it. It's just I want to make libs mad. Yes, and they they demonstrate with their signifiers and to be fair, now we have Democrats responding with their signifiers. Mm-hmm. You know, all they are doing is invoking their given brands. <laughs> um, the the announcement about Merrick Garland came yeah. out this week, and it's like Merrick Garland might as well be fucking nobody, right. but because he can set off memories and make neurons right. fire. Oh, that's a name I donors. that's a name I member. You know, yes, exactly. A T S T A T S T. Star Destroyers, I'm going <laughs> to come. I heard Merrick Garland's name. I clapped. <laughs> I clapped. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's a great point. Because, like, who the fuck is Merrick Garland in terms of, like, actual jurisprudence or whatever like that? They don't give a fuck about that part. It's just the name. Yeah, and so, well, and, uh, to be fair... Yeah, like, let the MAGA idiots reap it for the time being, but understand that this is going to be, that no crisis ever goes to waste, Yeah, and this is going to be seized upon to, to it's already been done. amp up the security state, absolutely. Like, Uh, you know, Biden was already going to increase cop funding, this is just even more of an incentive (laughs) to do that, uh, as long as, as well as include some nice new laws about what a terrorist is, and how badly we can treat them, and how arbitrarily we can define who a terrorist is. Well... And I think you actually posted the link earlier today, but it was, um, you can hear it in the pod save boys who let's be clear are like the standard bearers for this kind of thing where they said like, this was a security failure, right? Where uh, no, it fucking, it was a security complicity. In a a sense. Yes. But not in the way they mean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was a failure when the cops all sat back and watched it happen. I, I concur. That part is the failure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
in that the the idealized vision of what the cops should be doing right. in theory they should be stopping this of course in practice as leftists let's not start praising cops just because they happen to be against some mega idiots just for the time being but yes in theory were cops upholding the actual quote-unquote rule of law you know they would have treated this as seriously as they had treated any of the protests over the summer and, but they were As never in, going to because with tear gas and, and, you know, they, they only did at the very end once orders came down. But before then, it was, yeah, come on in, take some photos, <laughs> I'll take a selfie with you, hell! Um, like, and I think, again, sort of like transcending that point, it's, it's actually, uh, in my feeds at least, I've actually been seeing people finally crack that ping Good. of like, well, what the... F- what what even why do we even bother with right. them anymore? And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, Precisely. What's the point? What do they actually do other than defend capital? And look, they're not even that good at defending capital. It seems <laughs> the <laughs> actual capital didn't get defended. Now, now to be fair, actual sure capital if... was not threatened. Capital exactly. with an A at the end. Correct. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. The, the actual the, the capital with an A doesn't care if like you know some idiot came in and, and wasted five senators or whatever like that doesn't matter to them they'll just buy new ones. Yeah, and the and I actually had so I had a friend posting at me the other day asking like who's like well look what's happening where where were y'all where were the leftists in this this showdown this conflagration and it's just uh, it, what do you it, mean staying at home laughing <laughs> at it what the, where else should we be it just it's so conveniently wrapped up the misapprehension of, of uh, frankly of our power? politics of, of, of how what power works? people think yeah. of what people think of what a real left is because it's just like okay first of all if i'm in that situation i'm getting shot in the back and getting shot in the front right why would i show up <laughs> yeah why second would you all, be there <laughs> second of all this is the most concentrated and powerful gathering of these types probably in history mm, again this like is charlotteville some, like this is some sun tzu shit why yeah. would i be there right <laughs> yeah of all, when your enemy why? is making a mistake do not interrupt him <laughs> Th- third of all I don't fucking care about the capital. The capital no. has been fucking me. Yeah, yeah, like, precisely. Like, what am I going to do? Up to I'm going to put life on line on, uh, put my life on the line to fight for what Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> like <laughs> to oh. fight for tax credits and disadvantaged communities. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be the motivating factor that makes me put on my plate carrier and pick up my rifle and turn out. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, it's. Yeah, I, I can't even believe that kind of response. Where's the left at? The left is quite appropriately at home because we're still in a pandemic, by the way. Yeah, which no I love. I love the tweet of, I'm at the coup. I'm at the super spreader event. I'm at the combination coup and super spreader event. This is an extremely 2021 combination of words. Yeah. So <laughs> also a good reason for the left to stay home. There is still COVID in the air. And uh, if you surround yourself with 7,000 unmasked MAGA idiots who are hooting and hollering and spraying droplets at each other, uh, you're not going to have a bad time. And again, you know, I am not above chuckling at some idiots reaping the whirlwind on this. Sure, like, and to be fair, that's my main motivation. But I, of course I understand there's deeper issues at play here. Yeah, and so the reaction I think that's going to come down from this, and you can already see like the excuses and the narrative aligning after, mm-hmm. which coincidentally... You can see it today, yeah. Well, coincidentally, the election that happened on Tuesday... Right. Also, it's like you can just watch them lining up their ducks and being like, here's what we're going to say to never have to do anything again mm-hmm. at this point. And it's all it's all from the same playbook. It's we're going to impanel a commission to study 
the outcomes of placing this like on the mm-hmm. house floor. Mm-hmm. We're gonna. Well, well in the meantime, consider... we'll just quietly increase the uh, police budget a little bit in all of our bills. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're gonna strongly consider the 25th amendment invocation but also we're going to give all these cabinet members the opportunity to To, resign yeah well it's also stupid anyway he's like he's effectively out in in what 10 days or 13 days or whenever it is but uh it's it's just it's all symbolic and performative at this point he's not going to do anything over the next 13 days yeah, um, and there are people... Other than who, try to get his pardon list through, which, including himself on it. <laughs> yeah, well, and the, the concern that... And I literally had someone text me being like, dude, what if he just decides to nuke somebody? I'm like, Oh, God, what? come on. He's and not, again, in, first I, off, he's not that kind of guy. He wants to get rich after he's done, you know? Yeah. He oh, wants yeah. to go watch Trump TV. He doesn't want to end the world. He's not that kind of megalomaniac. He just wants to get rich. And I mean, even in a in a tantrum format, I don't think anyone never, would accept the order out of nowhere. You know, well, he's he's never done anything that no, he killed Soleimani, but that's because the generals offered it as an option to him. Oh, and that's insanely profitable for <laughs> the people who own Capital, the Congress yeah, and the generals, of course. Like, <laughs> right. So, like, yeah, ran, you know, saber rattling with you know that certain designated targets that Capital approves of, they're they're fine with that. But you know, actual nuclear war would be quite bad for Capital. So they're they're pretty invested <laughs> in keeping that off the table. Yeah, and at this point, I remember I, I texted a buddy of mine uh, from New York, who's also just coincidentally a goon, and it was just like we were we were physically talking about this on like november 12th 2016 Hmm. yeah and it's all of these things these denunciations and these parliamentary procedures to get rid of the president will happen in the lame duck right and lo and behold here we are two months here 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 we are yeah it's so funny that we're just now finally seeing these actions that maybe could have done something like you know twitter suspending him or facebook banning him or shit like this like on the one hand i don't think you're ever going to silence the man he's he's famous and he has a platform wherever he wants to go you can you can limit the platform certainly but on the other hand like why weren't you doing this shit four years ago yeah. Like what? And only only at the end when he's like stripped of all power and it's the safest possible time to do it are all these actions finally being taken. Yeah, which is just on a very sort of fundamental level, it reflects how moribund at the very least the federal rule, I, I guess structure of the government is. It's it's completely moribund because mm. because nobody almost by definition and by constraint of capital can take any risks right yeah which is you can't do anything new you can't try anything new risk risk scare number too much yeah yeah and let's not (laughs) which i love that number went up by the way (laughs) yeah no fucking shit not to beat around the bush it's like stability is what number craves Mm -hmm. and they're gonna they're gonna deliver it Mm mm-hmm and, and I think to anybody, them, stability means more cops and more people being thrown in jail as quote unquote terrorists. I think anybody who, gosh, where was I going in this, who characterized a Donald Trump presidency as like a, a fundamental threat to, to America, democ- yeah. to America yeah. is, has an incorrect conception of what America is. Yeah. Like yeah. it was, or, or what, it or was, certainly what it's become nowadays. Yeah. 
Sure, absolutely, and honestly, you, I, you I can you, you know you can definitely say that yes, new norms are being broken. You know, norms are being broken all the time. But like, hello, welcome to America. Like, where have you been the last few years? Norms are being being are being broken all the time, always. And just I remember again. I'm just remembering. I've been on a posting terror where it's just like, don't you remember the last time this happened? Like, do you what resets in your brain? That you are shocked again. The lack of pattern recognition among stupid liberals is just, like, the most confounding thing about them. Like, as humans, we have pattern recognition for a reason. It's a great survival mechanism to, to understand, like, oh, this thing hurt me a few times. I should probably avoid it. And, like, the lack of pattern recognition on some people it just blows me away. Well, and it, it is almost, not to put things too much in like a forum metaphor, but it's like, that's the reason why I stopped posting in D&D, because mm-hmm. the justification of that lack of pattern recognition just spirals into words and words and words and words. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't have to read anymore. Yeah, like, who, who are you going to trust? Me or your lying eyes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know? was, um, well, what was that shit? There's a thing where like, and again, just people posting about this shit where it's just like you're describing the problem again yeah like cool yeah. I, I know we all i mean theoretically we all should know right yeah. In, like, I, I what's we, next yeah to uh to try to wrap up here sure. we just kind of rambled on this a bit but uh <laughs> so something you and i go back forth a lot on is discussing the the suppose i don't know if this is a true curse or not it might be apocryphal but the, the supposed curse of may you live in interesting times and <laughs> God damn, do we live in possibly the most interesting times and somebody got us. And uh, shit. I know the Biden administration is going to try to make times more uninteresting, but I don't think they can really put the toothpaste back in the tube here. As it I were. think, I think that's the ultimate. Um, and what's weird is that there have been several, won't go back in the tube moments again. Yeah. And now we're staring at like a giant mound a big of toothpaste. Old, like, look, look at this faction <laughs> of Americans you are going to have to like actively fight against. Yeah. Um, and God, the even there is a certain group of people that still insists on invoking the unity language. Oh my God. And yeah. Like Biden just said, like, we need a Republican Party today or, or some bullshit like that. Which is fucking bonkers because you have the avatars of the current Republican Party out there mm-hmm. calling for a new party, except further bad, like mm-hmm. more to the right. Right. Which, know, like, let's get some QAnons in there. Let's, you know, <laughs> let's. I, yeah. I can't remember who it was like. It was like Kaylee McEnany or somebody was out there being like, we need a responsible new party to do like America to, first to bullshit. do to do fascism without the Trump brand essentially they're they're yeah. they're they've all they've realized is that Trump is now toxic and so they're distancing as quickly as they can from him and are quickly looking for the new wh- how can we do fascism again but this time better you know yep. without a Trump <laughs> yeah or a way to I think what actually in a representative democracy quote unquote so to speak it is very difficult to, um, I guess, disseminate the views and the philosophy that they're trying to harp on without a figurehead. But they are getting very close. Yeah. I think they have a diffuse enough understanding of that, that there is almost some level of decentralization occurring. 
Yeah. There, which is extremely dangerous. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, that that's something I had thought about too. Like, if they were smarter about this, it would have. Well, I don't want to give people ideas, but uh, <laughs> we don't need to lay the heaven. Yeah, 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 but um, yeah, it's just the lack, of, the lack of total coordination, planning, and whatnot. And I get that, like mobs are mobs, and and you know, a riot is a riot, and it's you can't really plan or or do yep. anything in the moment. But the fact that like no one really had seemed to think through a goal at all or whatever. Maybe that one guy who stole the laptop. Maybe he had a goal. You know, he he wanted to get the list of you know where they where the comet pizzas are or whatever. Like <laughs> at least you know maybe a couple of them actually had a goal they accomplished or whatever. But for the most part, it's just it, like you said. It, we don't do politics anymore. It's just culture war. And this was this was a big battle in the culture war. Yeah. To them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And. I mean, the, again, just overflowing with signifiers that yeah. the media has keyed on on both sides of mm-hmm. the nominal mm-hmm. debate where you just it's it's the only way people internalize and disseminate things anymore is that it's these two sides of the culture war, which is extremely upsetting again, because they'll be like that picture of the one dude who died is is standing in his living room strapped up with probably i mean i don't even know but like i'm sort mm-hmm. of a gun guy like I, uh, five yeah. to six five to six thousand dollars worth of guns of guns and, and the ammo, democrats yeah. the, the the liberals that i know again democrats same thing but like they'll be out here being like those goddamn poor rural people they just aren't smart enough or <laughs> right. wealthy enough to it's, to vote right right it's, it's like, like here's here's this dude who's got fucking 8k worth of guns and ammo yeah. and he, <laughs> And uh, he's, he's, you know, I'm sure he owned like a Harley dealership or something like that. And just like, yeah, what they don't understand the, tr- the true threat isn't isn't poor rurals. It's it's these fucking chuddy suburbanites who own a boat owner, a dealership or, you know, <laughs> and are and are spend their weekends plinking away at their with their militia groups. Huh, which, again, we'll see on the 20th. There's supposed to be another one of oh these. Oh, my which God, because the inauguration, of course. Almost assuredly bait yeah. at this point. I mean, can you even imagine? Uh, like, uh, yeah. They're, the Biden administration is going to want to crack down fucking hard on anyone who tries to, like, fuck with inauguration or, or the Biden administration in general. Well, and so they're going to want to send a message, essentially, of like, hey, 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 that was cool under Trump, but no more. When I was thinking about this earlier is that they will have the, they will be able to send a message and crack down hard on the right when it is in the context of a spectacle and a singular event. And then they will reappropriate that and casually deploy it as convenient against socialists and leftists whenever they feel like it from here on out, which again is another danger of relying on these sort of one apocalyptic occurrence to frame your politics because it's a constant undercurrent mm-hmm. but people won't see it right. until either they personally are affected or there's a big but, blow up like right that but if, yeah events like this that shake through to the people who don't just follow politics but are you know just regular people and they're like oh my god a thing happened and they have to like incorporate it into their view of the political well, landscape and if you're a regular person this is being visited upon you daily. Like, this is the quiet violence of capitalism. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to get ramped up in the next administration. Right. Anyway, it, we've it, been... Yeah. I was going to say, we've been talking for a long well, time. We sure have. Do you have anything else to... to, to uh, I don't think I have anything. You know, I didn't mean we could ramble you. on this for an hour without really yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> saying anything of true value. So I think that's as good a point as any to uh, 
to call it for here. So thanks for listening, everyone. We always appreciate it. Uh, you can shoot us comment in our threads, uh, or if you found the show another way, you can always email the show at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Which is always nice. Uh, we love to get listener emails, uh, and we will be back next time to discuss the next episode of The West Wing. Bye, y'all. Stay safe. Bye-bye. all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along. So love me, love me, love me.